We've Been Around the Block is a podcast coming to you from the heart of the KZN Midlands. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Anthony Jarvie, and today's special guest is David Wilkinson. Very welcome, Dave. Thank you, and thanks for the, the invitation. Dave is a specialist extension officer with SASRI and has a number of years of experience in sugarcane extension. Dave, tell us a little bit about your your work history. Yeah, thanks, and I've been with various sugarcane companies managing farms up until 2010 when I joined Sassery to become the extension specialist. And yeah, I've been there with, with Sassery based here in the Midlands um, ever since then. Yeah, Dave and I have been around the block figuratively and literally actually. More in a social setting than in a work setting. We share the same village and we are long-time cycling buddies. So the, the idea behind today's podcast is to investigate the possibilities of rotating beans with sugarcane. Now, I can't teach Dave anything about sugarcane and probably less about mountain biking, but I do know a bit about beans. And so what we plan to do is combine our expertise to look at the prospects of rotating dry beans and sugarcane. Right, so perhaps just to to start with a question, Dave, when is the best time to cycle through a dry bean crop? Hey, you caught me there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that right after the break, so don't go away. Today's episode is sponsored by Panar Seed. And since this is a bean-centric episode... I should say something about the Panar bean cultivar range. Well, actually, I've had a hand in breeding all the cultivars that are currently on the market, so it is a little difficult for me to give you an unbiased opinion of their cultivar range. If I can give you a parallel, um, it's a bit like you as a parent trying to make a judgment on whether your kid is up to no good. Um, Your judgment is most often compromised by your emotional attachment. So the best way to deal with this predicament is to have a look at and see who your kid hangs out with and judge them. So if I apply the same rationale to the beans, I would look at the Panar's cultivar range in other crops. So they have the best sunflower cultivar range in the industry by a long way and they have standout sorghum products. They have awesome wheat cultivars and they have a leading uh, soybean cultivar range. Their maize hybrids compete in every nook and cranny in the market and it would be totally against the run of play to have anything but the best dry bean cultivars, right? Back to back to cycling through through a bean crop. It's best to cycle through your neighbor's bean field. Really, you don't really want to be cycling through a bean field? That was a trick question, Dave. So I, I don't often give you mountain biking advice, but best not to cycle through a bean field what happens is that very often your diseases aren't mechanically transmitted and so you don't really want to be cycling through a bean field or putting any vehicle traffic through a bean field particularly when it's wet and so bean fields are not for cycling through cane fields are are, are better right much better place to cycle through to get less caught in your pedals and spokes yeah (laughs) yeah right so getting on to the more serious side of looking at beans and sugarcane the areas of adaptation of the two crops overlap. Dave, tell us, where is sugarcane best adapted? 
So the Midlands, the KZ in Midlands, where, where I'm based, is, is obviously a very well-adapted area to, to sugarcane. And anywhere which is remotely subtropical, you'll be able to grow sugarcane in. So that altitude range, um, we see sugarcane on the coast, which is down at zero, and right up to the highest altitude sugarcane, which is in our area here in the Midlands, which runs up to just over 1,100 meters above sea level. So, um, right. And so the restriction really is the frost, right? So rainfall and heat units are huge requirements. Um, in the Midlands here, one of, the, one of our restrictions is, is frost, yes. Okay, right. So your, your error adaptation is really related to height above sea level and, and frosting. Okay. So with dry beans, they are very widely adapted. So dry beans are planted up in the high felt, probably up to 18, 1900 meters above sea level and all the way right down to sea level itself. So the cane area is really a subset of the area of a general adaption of, of dry beans. Yeah, I would say that, that would work well. Um, we certainly wouldn't plant any sugar cane up in the high felt. So the the frost issue would be too much of a problem there, so yeah, you've got yeah. no competition up there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what we're trying to establish is to what extent would would beans fit into a rotation with sugarcane? Okay, so typically our, our milling season runs from now currently March until end of November, and sometimes when the, the crop is really big, it'll run into December as well. And growers would start off their season obviously harvesting those fields that were more mature and older and ready to be harvested. But they would also start off with, with fields that they had earmarked for plow out. So we, we generally uh, look at replanting on average 10% of area under cane each year. So a grower would choose which fields were at the end of their return cycle, either they were not performing any, uh, really well, and it, that could be for a multiple a number of reasons. It could also be that grower wants to change to a, a different variety in that field. So, so yeah, that he would choose which fields he would harvest early in the season, so they could get his plowouts done, and that would give him enough chance to enough time before the the spring to get his soil amelioration right, his uh, infield runoff control structures, etc get all that work done. Right. Um, Dave, our audience on the, on the show are probably mostly not cane farmers, right? So just explain to, to us a little bit. In terms of cane is obviously a perennial crop. How long do you keep it in the ground? Okay, so here in the Midlands, we our, our typical cycle is um, ranges from annual cane, uh, which is 12, 12 months. Uh, that's typically grown in the frost-prone areas. And the, the longer cycle stuff is roughly 20 to 22, 23 months of age. So it is a longer cycle than, than typically you find on the coast. Um, coastal cane is generally on a 12 to 15, 16 month cycle. Okay, and so that is one cycle and then you would keep the cane in for how many cycles? Okay, so that's a bit like asking how long is a piece of string. So yeah. <laughs> um, we, depending on, on how well a, a farm or a field is managed, one can, and what type of soil it is, obviously sandy soils, you'll, you'll be lucky to get five, six returns out of it, so five or six crops, um, whereas on your better humic soils, we have record of growers running up to 14, 15, 16th return, um, so that's 15 returns basically on a, on a 22, 23-month cycle, that's close to 30 years in the ground. Yeah, you know, so I would imagine genotype also plays a, a big part in how long you keep going. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we do have some varieties that are, are known for, for lasting long and some varieties that, uh, that perform very well in terms of tonnage but obviously don't give you as many, many returns. Right. So we're in the business of annual cropping in dry beans and one of the, one of the key things is that the cultivars stay on the market for perhaps 10 years and that's probably a reasonable average length. But the, the thing is that if you don't change your variety often, you, you can't keep up with things like climate change. And I'm just wondering, you know, how do you manage that with a cane crop? You know, obviously it's a much longer, much longer cycle and therefore it would make sense at some stage, even if, even if your crop is, is still reasonably healthy, to, to change uh, variety. Definitely. Um, okay, just to give an example, we have one of the varieties uh, – that we predominantly grow here in the Midlands. Um, it's called N12. And that variety was released in 1977. And uh, yeah, it's still 40 to 50% of our, of our annual crush is uh, comprised of N12. So it's still a very popular variety. And that incidentally is the variety that gives the, the, the long returns. So many growers have gone out of N12 in favor of the newer varieties because they uh, the newer varieties tend to be more adaptable. So poorer soils, one can now get higher yields than with the older varieties. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. typically go, what's happening. Go, going from, from general adaptation to specific adaptation. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so the, the other thing is that there's a pattern of yield decline in, in sugarcane, which obviously dictates how quickly you will then plow out, right? And just for us non-cane folk, tell us tell us a little bit about that pattern. Okay, so plant crop typically would be slightly lower than your first and second returns, and also depending on how well managed, you might even get a slight increase into the third. But definitely after that, uh, one definitely does see a, a decline in yield. And, you know, it's from infield traffic, just general. And I think infield traffic and, and wheels over the, the stools is probably one of the biggest contributors to that yield decline um, over over a tune. Okay, yeah. And then obviously the buildup of pests and diseases. And, and this is this is why rotation is a good possibility. Absolutely. And, and also looking at um, acidification of soils, you know, from application of nitrogen, nitrogenous fertilizers, you definitely over time do build up uh, soil acidity. So that's another reason why you'll get you'll get yield decline. Right. So so we have established that there is a need for breaking the sugarcane cycle and and that rotation is not a bad way of doing that, particularly to break the pest and disease cycles. So what do cane farmers currently do? You know, obviously what we are aiming to do is is see how beans would fit into the slot. But tell us tell us what cane farmers currently do mostly. Yeah, so currently We'll, the, the typical scenario would be harvest the field early in the season and start eradicating that crop as we go into winter. So it's obviously much easier to, to eradicate a crop of cane um, when conditions are drier going into winter. And then go through winter and then as, as soon as conditions for planting become favourable, hopefully during September sometime, they would start to ridge and, and replant those fields. So there would be no real break crop used that would be just cane on cane we at sastry and extension especially have been really promoting the use of extended fallow periods so long even up to one year fellow using using different uh, fellow crops 
which are you know, suitable for that particular time of year? So actually, you know, the, the practice of going straight back into cane is, is one that you don't really want to promote. But you're looking for a crop that would fit into that time slot and perhaps also be able to generate its own income. You know, so, so something like a, a green manure crop would have all the benefits and the, the benefits would be accrued in the next cane crop. Whereas if you had something like dry beans, it's the sort of crop that, that is very lucrative on its own and will fill the need for a, a good rotation crop because of being a legume and then also be a very good cash crop. Definitely. That's been a long time a, a sort of a thorn in the side for growers for that fallow period because they see it as, as time out of production for that piece of land. And certainly if you can generate some income, that's definitely a, something to promote that practice. Right. And actually for beans, uh, rotation is, is good on its own. So almost all bean farmers would rotate. Currently, most, most bean farmers are probably primarily maize farmers and they would use the bean crop in probably in a one in four, one in three rotation with maize. And so the rotating with maize is, is very good for yield and health of the bean crop. And it would also be the same if you rotated with sugarcane you know, being a grass species. Right. With beans, there's also, there's a, there's a serious need to expand the area of beans planted in South Africa. Currently, we're sitting between about 50,000 to 55,000 hectares of dry beans. And the bean industry just doesn't have enough critical mass at that size. And really, we would like to expand the dry bean area planted. So we're looking towards the uh, sugarcane area to get that expansion. And from what we're hearing, the sugar growers also need a, a good rotation crop to, to fit into that slot in between their, their cane crops. So Dave, using dry beans as a rotation crop for sugarcane is not new, right? No, no, we definitely, we've got some growers who are really doing it. And those are generally the growers that are already on that that long long fellow period um, and realize that have realized the benefits from from using these crops. Um, so we know that that beans will fit into the cycle. So what would stop farmers from rotating with beans? So one of the main well one of the challenges that I do see sugarcane being a graminaceous crop, the herbicides that are used typically are are broadleaf killers. Or a lot of them that they are mixed in there. So that can, with residual you know, action in the in the soil, when you plant your beans, they, they can be a bit unhappy with with what's 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 left over there. Yeah. So perhaps knowing this, farmers could take take the right sort of action to avoid the long residuals. So if they're using herbicides um, which are aggressive, they would maybe use those in the, the first and second return and avoid using them towards the end of the cycle. Definitely, you there's such a huge range of herbicides available out there nowadays that we can we can look at using um, the softer chemicals towards the end of a return cycle you know certainly to get those by the time that the beans are planted the product yeah. is leached, leached out of the system yeah so you can pick and choose at least exactly no definitely and and even from an environmental perspective you know we have a an environmental management system which we're promoting amongst growers as well and that also looks at using chemicals with lower active ingredient uh, loadings um, and generally stuff that's that's more nature friendly yeah environmentally friendly exactly right. yeah. yeah just looking at the the makers and breakers of utilizing beans in a in a sugarcane 
crop system. One of the things about producing dry beans is that it is not an easy crop to produce. And partly this is why the the hectares are so low in the country is that it is a difficult crop to produce. Dry beans are susceptible to, to many pests and diseases and you really have to look after the crop properly. And and so what we've seen in the rest of the country is that it's it's your top maize farmers who rotate with dry beans and not not just run-of-the-mill maize farmers. How do you think this will fit in with the sugar farmers? I think certainly with certain group of growers that pay attention to detail and are are very aware of what's what's happening in their soils. I think these are the guys that, that would latch onto that practice. Also, we must remember that um, sugarcane farmers have been a little bit spoiled in terms of marketing their product. Uh, it's it's <laughs> okay. really it's it's an easy one that. So yeah. so marketing the beans that might be a challenge for growers. Right. Are sugarcane farmers accustomed to spraying? Spraying, yes, definitely. We, you know, we've. We spray fungicides and herbicides mainly. Uh, thankfully, up to now, insecticides are very, very minimal use in, in sugarcane. We've had a couple of things popping up here, but they are generally, I think that that spraying is is a normal practice. We also find that many of our growers are, are diversifying into other crops, and, and some use veggies. Part of the farm is, is allocated to veggies, or they, they use vegetables in their rotations. So those two, we know, need uh, yeah. A lot of attention. Yeah. So if the cane farmer can plant veggies, he can plant beans. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the other restrictions may well be the, the slopes. So sugarcane is, is typically planted on, on all sorts of slopes and some very steep slopes, right? Correct. Yeah. You know, that's more so on the, on the coast. We, we actually did a study where we looked at uh, here in the Midlands area, the Midlands North, we looked at what percentage could be harvested by machines, so mechanized harvesting and it, and it was in excess of 70% of our area under cane. So here in the Midlands, slope is less of an issue. The majority is will be perfect for, for that sort of thing. Yeah, so with dry beans, it's not that it's not mechanised. So you, you would probably plant with a, a tractor-drawn planter and mostly you would hand pull, but you would still run through with a tractor-drawn harvester. So you'd need slopes that would be able to accommodate this. Yeah, no, here in the Midlands, I, we, we wouldn't have a problem. You know, where I suspect you'd have a problem is, is more on the south and north coast where you get your slopes you know, in excess of 20%, 25%, where there, there is traditionally cane grown. Yeah, and it's not even easy to get a mountain bike up them, right? Definitely not, no. We don't ride up those. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't often see Dave pushing a, mo- a mountain bike, but um, in some of the sugarcane areas around the coast, that might well be a consideration. Definitely. So, so it does look like there are possibilities for bean rotation with uh, sugarcane, and I think that it is something that we should and could promote. Definitely, um, sugarcane supplies we we saturate at the moment. Um, so, moving into other crops does certainly make sense, and, and certainly one that can make you a bit of money as well. Right. So, something we've discussed off air a little bit was something like shared cropping, where perhaps a cane farmer might twin his operation with with a bean farmer on the high felt. And just looking at this, it seems like it's quite a reasonable way of getting into the bean business for a cane farmer is to find a bean farming buddy in the current bean production area. And so if you just look at the at the area that cane is planted in, it's generally warmer than the current bean production areas. 
And so this might be a nice opportunity for farmers to pair up together and uh, utilize the same set of expertise and equipment. You know, so we're just thinking the um, guys in the high felt might well be finished planting dry beans by Christmas. And it would be quite an easy thing to to be able to move that equipment down to the cane area and plant in January running into February because you can, because it's warmer, right? No, definitely that would that would work. You know, as I was saying, cane farmers often shy away from, from planting those other crops because they don't have the expertise and the equipment. So if there was someone, someone willing to, to partner up with them and, and, and do it professionally, uh, I think that would be a successful venture that, because that land is available or plant then at that time, and as you say, the conditions would be right. Right, and and so this obviously off- offers um, some risk mitigation for both sets of farmers, right? So the um, the dry bean farmer from the high felt would get the opportunity to share a crop in a different area, which means that you know the food security side of things is a lot more um, uh, covered. Definitely, uh, you know, also. With the with being in a totally different area, you, you wouldn't be uh, subject to the same uh, climatic conditions, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, would definitely hedge hedge your bets. Hedge your bets, yeah. And then obviously by partnering with somebody who is already in the bean business, you have got contacts with marketing of the grain crop. You also have the expertise and perhaps sharing of equipment. Definitely. Um, we know that equip- this equipment is expensive and, and I can't think of many sh- dedicated sugarcane farmers who would go out and buy their own harvesters and planters just for the, the relatively small areas that they would have available for planting. So, so dovetailing with a, a regular bean grower would be, would be an excellent idea. Right, and, and so not only for the planting and the harvesting, but generally what happens very commonly is that bean farmers would process to some extent as well. And so this would be an opportunity or, a, or an avenue to get the crop processed by somebody else. Exactly. You know, the proce- uh, when you say processing, I would imagine that would include the, the packaging. Cleaning, that, and, cleaning, cleaning and packaging. packaging yeah, yeah, and, ma- and marketing. Correct. Yeah, mm. that, and that's something that I know many growers would shy away from. So if they had someone doing it who's, who's uh, been on the bus a while, then that's much better. Right. Okay. Well, I think we should wrap up the discussion for the day. David, it's been wonderful chatting to you. And until next time, it's been a gas. Take care. (laughs)